This is Food First Michigan on News Talk 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food secure state, and by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome everyone, thanks for listening. Food banking is not very old. A young professional really in organizational years, that's kind of like dog years, but the scale's a bit different. Most people are surprised to learn that this sector of the nonprofit world is only about 40 years old. That's young, especially when you compare it to some of the other community-based organizations that have actually been around for much longer. Schools, fire stations, police precincts, community centers, along with our good friends like the Salvation Army that was born in 1865. The oldest food bank in Michigan is Gleaners. It was established in 1977, just over one generation old. While we are relatively young, we were born out of need, and that need existed has become one of the foundational values, a non-negotiable, if you will, and that need was to make sure the food being distributed to the community was safe. Our history could be described as a series of events and phases that are best described as monumental challenges, fractured efforts, enormous obstacles, and stunning success. At the forefront is our ability to make sure that food that is distributed by our seven Feeding America food banks is safe. There is no wiggle room in this principle. There's no negotiation, and there never will be, ever. Why is this such a cornerstone value for us? It's because our commitment to food safety allows us to be trusted. And the only commodity more precious than trust is hope. We traffic in both of those every day. It just looks like a box of food to most of you, but to those who come to us, that box not only contains life-sustaining nutrients, each box is packed with trust and hope. It takes a lifetime to build trust, it's been said, and just an instant to tear it down. Those words are true. During the COVID-19 pandemic, people, organizations, politicians, government leaders, the federal government, state agencies, businesses, corporations, and most importantly, families in need turned to the Food Bank of Michigan and gave us their trust. Whether you were the Secretary of Agriculture with his many food programs or a secretary who was laid off from work and needed food, both of them turned to us with open hands and trust in their hearts. We at the Food Bank Council in turn trust key strategic partners in our efforts to serve by getting more food more often to more people. Today we will talk about how Trust has built our network into one of the most trusted partners in America and here at home in Michigan. Join me and my trusted partner, co-host Jerry Brisson, in just a moment, along with Kyle Moss, the Vice President for Sales and Marketing at the Michigan Turkey Association and one of our newest trusted partners. We'll be right back in just a moment.
We're back here, Jerry Brisson, as promised, back from vacation. Yeah, I mean, it was nice too. Do, it was do nice. Do food makers I mean, get uh, vacation? I didn't know that. <laughs> you know what? We're really encouraging our team right now to take time off if they can, and and the main reason is because we've ramped up. And now this is what normal is going to look like for us. We had another record distribution in the month of June. Um, we had a record in March, in April, in May, and again in June. And we think we're going to see that level of distribution continue for quite some time. So, you know, our team has to adjust not just to the short term, but the midterm and long term. And that means taking care of ourselves, right? Everyone needs to take some time off. Everyone needs a little break. I was fortunate enough to go uh, to a little family reunion where we practiced, and I really mean this sincerely, social distancing, and we, oh, we got great. together outside the whole week. We we did not do communal meals. We, we did the things we could to make sure that we were not uh, spreading corona between us. And, uh, and you know, it was great. It did require some mm-hmm. thought and some changes, but the bottom line is we as a community have got to be committed to doing the things we need to do to take care of this, or we're never going to be done with it. Right, right. Well, we're facing some inside the family. We have a wedding, and uh, our our daughter is getting married in Atlanta and um, over Labor Day, and... Um, she was coming here this weekend. I don't know how that's going to work. You know, it's just all it's everybody's going through it. But you're right. We all got to, you know, hunker down here, discipline ourselves in regard to the safety protocols. You know, and speaking of safety protocols, um, I talked about in the monologue, Jerry, about how we as food banks hold the 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 public trust, and I think that. The public trust is so high when it comes to the food banks here in Michigan. That was one of the reasons why uh, the governor's office and her team and the legislature, both in the House and then in the Senate, felt like that they could trust the Food Bank Council and our network of seven food banks across the state with an appropriation out of this COVID emergency funding uh, which is the largest appropriation we've ever received uh, from the state of Michigan, and um, and and it's it's I think it's because the public as well as the leaders publicly trust the Food Bank Council and all of our members to do this work in the right way. Yeah, it really is beautiful and a and a very nice uh, part of what's come out of our relationship with the administration, and that relationship has been built over a long period of time. And one of the things that I think is impressive about the food banks, and and this is every food bank across the network, is when the going gets tough, the tough get going. I mean, the amount of food that was able to be distributed to families in need and and people who were were you know all of a sudden not getting food for their kids in school or or unemployed and not expecting it. I mean, there was no way to plan for um, the severity and the suddenness of of all of all of the things that happened as a result of the pandemic. So food banks really stepped up. We've been in communication with the state about that. We have 
provided regular reports of how much more work we've done, how many families and households that's reached. And of course, trust is built that way, right? You, you make a plan, you work the plan, and you succeed, and people go, okay, let's do more, right? Let's do more. And of course, it's, it's part of our overall strategy for ending hunger in our community is to prove that there's an impact to prove that that we can right. deliver and we will deliver to households and those households will be better off as a result of getting that food and and uh, I mean the amount of relief that that we see on a daily basis from people who at least have an answer they can take hunger off the table while they're managing the rest of the problems in their life it's been it's been outstanding and and again my hats off to all of my uh, food bank partners um, across the state who I know are, are working incredible hours and thinking not only uh, harder but smarter too. Well, you talk about Feeding America West Michigan out in Comstock Park north of Grand Rapids, uh, Food Bank of Eastern Michigan uh, located in Flint. Um, those two food banks serve about 62 out of Michigan's 83 counties, large geographical areas. Uh, and then, you know, with Food Bank of Eastern Michigan, you know, uh, uh, food insecurity generally, and then a pandemic on top of that, uh, that wasn't enough for them. They had to have a flood, too. Yeah. And uh, yeah. every county affected by the flood is in Feeding America, uh, Food Bank of Eastern Michigan's service territory. There's food gatherers uh, in, in Washtenaw County, Ann Arbor there, uh, Eileen Spring, very innovative and um, cutting edge on the tart on, on what what's new in food baking. Uh, your partner, we've had him on the show, Kirk Mays, uh, Forgotten Harvest. Um, obviously, Gleaners Community Food Bank, the Greater Lansing Food Bank, and then our newly renamed food bank, uh, the South Michigan Food Bank down in Battle Creek. And between those seven, they feed every, every they reach out into all of Michigan's 83 counties. So. And of course, that's one of the reasons why we work so closely with the state and why the state looks to us, because there's a one-stop shop with the Food Bank Council of Michigan. And I want to give a big shout out to your team too, doctor, um, who does a phenomenal job of making sure that the resources you get, get um, spread out in the right ways. And you, you enhance every relationship we have with people like the Turkey Association, who we're going to talk to in just a minute. And uh, but many others who who come to you because you can work with the rest of us crazy people and make sure this food gets to everywhere it needs to get. And it's so helpful to have that. And it's one of the reasons why we do have effective partnerships statewide. Well, I appreciate that. Here, let, let's let's leave this segment. We'll go and uh, the next segment we'll talk with Kyle Moss, the vice president for sales and marketing out of the Michigan Turkey Association, one of our new most trusted partners. But here's a number, Jerry, we'll leave with our listeners before we talk with Kyle. Um, the average tons of food distributed per week, 2,065 tons. Now that's gone up since then, but 2,065 tons of food per week. Remarkable. It's incredible. Yep. It's, it's absolutely incredible. Jerry and I are back with Kyle Moss, the Vice President for Sales and Marketing at the Michigan Turkey Association, in just a moment.
contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for listening. Dr. Phil Knight here with Jerry Brisson and our guest, as promised, Kyle Moss, the Vice Vice President for Sales and Marketing at the Michigan Turkey Association. Kyle, welcome to Food First Michigan. Thanks for uh, being with us today. Thanks for having me. So uh, let's jump right into the deep end of the pool here because, um, as I said in the monologue, you're one of our newest and now most trusted partners. Uh, So tell us a little bit about yourself and as well about the Michigan Turkey Association. Well, I first of all have to say how honored we are to be considered one of your most trusted partners. Uh, Myself, I uh, graduate of Hope College. Uh, right out of there into the meat industry. I worked uh, for Quincy Street Meats for about five years. Uh, they're now owned by Indiana Pack today. And from there, uh, moved over to Michigan Turkey back in 2006. So I guess 14 years later, I'm still here. And uh, it's been a lot of fun to uh, watch uh, Michigan Turkey grow over the years. Uh, when I started here, we were just processing uh, raw products, and uh, we we're trying to get the uh, our cook facility going over here on Hall Street in Grand Rapids, and uh, we went from zero pounds to today we're cooking about 50 million pounds a year. So it's pretty exciting to be a part of that effort. So great, Kyle. Nice that you've got a lot of experience over there in the turkey business. And uh, when when Dr. Phil told me you were going to be on the show, I came prepared to talk turkey. So uh, so tell us a little bit about uh, uh, the the types of things you make and, and who are your customers? Uh, the more, majority of the products that we make uh, would be your bulk uh, deli turkey. Uh, so for the retail side of things, that means you would find us behind that deli counter or in that deli case uh, where an associate would uh, take that piece out and slice it. Um, as far as food service is concerned, of course, uh, that would go in the back of the house and a restaurant would slice that up and make a delicious turkey sandwich. Well, and of course, for the people that we serve, one of the most important things we have to think about is convenience, because a lot of people that that don't have a lot of money also don't have a lot of time. They're managing a lot of things in their life with very limited resources. So for us, you know, sliced turkey is an awesome thing to be able to provide people. It's It's a wonderful lean protein. It's very healthy and it's very convenient so people can put Uh, a lunch or a dinner together very quickly. Yeah, sliced turkey is definitely where it's at. Um, It hasn't necessarily been our core competency over the years, but uh, we we do slice turkey and quite a bit of it actually. And um, typically for us, we put it in a two pound package, a stack pack, we can also shingle it. Um, So yes, we do have that capability and I know that's typically the desired item uh, especially for food banks, uh, because uh, to your point, it's so easy and convenient to use. That's really why we, we're here today and able to talk about this. It's the appropriation that um, has just been signed by the governor, proposed by the legislature, uh, brought some some uh, some, some, uh, some appropriation to the Food Bank Council of Michigan 
And um, as we worked through that whole process, we I was on a call with MDARD some weeks ago, and I, I listened uh, intently to the Michigan Turkey Association, who shared some news about the CFAP program. And, um, and listening to that news, I really thought there was a natural synergy here between the Michigan Turkey Association and the Food Bank Council, our seven Feeding America food banks. Uh, and so uh, one of my team members, Kath Clark, Director of Food Programs reached out to you, Kyle, and I think you guys put together some numbers for us, and it really helped paint the picture very well for the legislature, for the governor's office, and I'm happy to say that they all pitched in together to help make sure that we had some some funding so that we can partner together with the Michigan Turkey Association and make sure that the people we're serving have access to this great source of protein. Yeah, we're, we're very happy to be a part of um, that whole effort and initiative. And, um, you know, when I started talking to Kath, I think it was last year, uh, Farm Bureau had approached us on their punt hunger campaign. And uh, so we uh, were happy that we could donate some turkey for that effort. And then right. um, since then, I've had uh, contact with Kath for various opportunities. And then... Uh, very recently in speaking with her and MDARD and um, Allison Brink from Michigan Allied Poultry, uh, we were able to make a, another fairly large donation of almost, I think, 10,000 uh, pounds to the food banks to just help, uh, as I know that uh, it's been a tough time for all the food banks right now, trying to keep up with the demand. I'm going to sneak in a quick break, Jerry, just so we can pay a few of our bills so that uh, we can continue to have this conversation with Kyle on the other side of this break. So folks, come back and be with Jerry, Kyle, and me. We're back in just a moment. This is Food First Michigan. Food First Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. We're back here on Food First Michigan. Thanks, everybody. Kyle Moss is our uh, guest today, Vice President of Sales and Marketing, Michigan Turkey Association. Jerry, you got a you got a question for Kyle. It's burning up here, so go ahead and ask that. Well, for sure, and uh, you know, I, I obviously have to say thank you so much for your support. I mean, it it makes our world go round. There's no question about it. People willing to step up in the ways they can, uh, but also. You know, I, I want to say thanks for engaging in a broader conversation about how we might be able to partner in the long term and really provide a lot of food for the community in, in several different ways. And so, of course, for us, we know that in order to end hunger in our community, we got to keep involving more people. We got we to gotta keep bringing people to the table to take hunger off the table, if you will. And so I think one of the things that we're really excited to explore is how your business works, where do food banks intersect best with that business, and then how do we help each other as we move forward to maximize the amount of work that we can do together. And so maybe it would be um, 
just interesting to hear a little bit about how has the pandemic and how has the China trade and, you know, all, all the various things that have been happening with food been affecting your business? And uh, and what are your thoughts about how are things moving forward? So, yeah, the, the whole uh, COVID-19, I know, has been uh, very interesting, uh, stressful for a lot of people. Uh, we're not alone in having to deal with um, a lot of these challenges that have come up as a result of, of what's happening in the world. Um, I, I would say, you know, where it's maybe affected us directly has been twofold in that, uh, hey, with the closing of all the restaurants across the country or limited capacity allowed, uh, it has taken a huge chunk out of our, our normal business. So mm -hmm. I would say um, typically we're right around maybe 60% food service and about 40% retail, if you want to simplify our mix of business. And almost wow. all of that dropped out immediately when those announcements were made across the country. Um, so that has been um, very difficult for us to navigate that fall off. Uh, I think there was a few weeks there where we produced maybe one day out of the week. Um, or we even had, I believe, a week where we didn't produce it, produce it all out of our cook plant, which has never happened before. So uh, obviously that's not good for a lot of reasons. Uh, the other part for us that's been very challenging, of course, is just uh, the fear that people have in coming to work in uh, this environment of a meat packing plant, which I would say is probably quite conducive um, given the proximity that people work to one another for uh, potential spread of, of the virus. So I would say um, certainly understand those fears and that's why we've tried as a company to do the best that we can in uh, being safe, um, putting people's safety first and, and you know, encouraging all the, the normal GMPs that you would have in a, in a processing facility anyway, um, but then taking it another step higher um, from where we've been and trying to install um, dividers. We've put plexiglass dividers in all the break rooms uh, in the seating areas. Um, we've installed curtains uh, on the production lines. Um, they're more or less the same type of thing, uh, fiberglass, maybe a little thinner that hang down between each associate and across from them. So there's no potential spread there and anywhere else we can think of to reduce the risk. Um, sure. you know, very quickly when this happened, we, we started taking temperatures um, of everybody coming in and out of the plants, um, going between plants. And basically, uh, it doesn't matter if you're a, a worker on the floor or somebody in the office and, and administration, uh, you have to um, get your temperature checked before you walk in. And then um, also, of course, have made it mandatory, mandatory for people to wear face masks uh, if they're outside their office. So it's, uh, there's a lot of that going on right now, again, just to minimize any risk. And then we also have a number of our people that are uh, continuing to work in a remote capacity. Just that was a lot on a food banking, Jerry. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, and it, it's so important to remember that there's a cascading impact 
across our network of food banks because of all these changes. I mean, everything you describe costs money, and it and it costs the business money. And of course, the more money it takes for business to operate, the more it affects employment, the more it affects you know other issues that that create um, you know lots of layers of conversation and sometimes significant problems in the community. And so, you know, it's, 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 um, it's important to just keep all this in mind as we move forward. While I, I think the measures you've taken are excellent, caring about your team the way you have and making sure that they're safe, that's certainly been a big priority of food banks as well, making sure our team members are safe and feel safe. And, and you know, we do the same many of the same processes in terms of you know making sure people coming to work are actually healthy but in the meantime there's a business to run and so you know uh, how, how how do you see that happening from here in terms of you know food service looks like it's coming back at least a little bit in some areas more than others is it is there light at the end of the tunnel for you well, there most certainly is. I would say within the last probably six to eight weeks, we've seen quite a rebound in the food service uh, arena. And not surprisingly, as restaurants have been able to reopen and uh, still, albeit at a limited capacity, um, a number of the um, institutions we sell have done a great job of trying to reinvent themselves and, and be nimble and creative to get around uh, the fact that they can't have uh, very many people, if any, inside their building. So whether it's the outdoor dining or it's the carry out or, I mean, there's so many things I've seen uh, that restaurants have done to reinvent themselves and it's pretty awesome. And as a result of that, again, I would say it's, we're pretty close to being where we were prior to COVID in sales in the food service sector. And as a result, the retail, uh, side, which was very strong. Uh, you guys probably remember some of the panic buying that was going on. Uh, one of our largest customers is Costco, and we packed the Kirkland Signature Turkey Breast for them. Uh, we saw sales of that that uh, we certainly wouldn't ever see this time of the year. It's typically pretty strong in the holidays. Uh, but that has been very, very strong really since uh, early March when this became a problem, I think, in particular in Michigan, uh, where we saw some very, very strong sales and a lot of our other retail accounts uh, where we would be in that, that deli case, uh, have seen great business um, with, the, with the food service not being available to consumers. Well, I think that's one of the reasons, Kyle, that we wanted to have you on the show. Um, because of the partnership, uh, that results out of our uh, combined efforts with alongside of the governor's office and the legislature and this appropriation for nine million dollars total um, we wanted to partner with you guys and one of the reasons we wanted to do that is because we knew that you held the public trust as a high value the same way that we do and all the steps that you've just described um, are the reason we're having this conversation uh, to celebrate our newfound partnership. So while we say you're one of our newest trusted, most trusted um, partners, that's a designation from the Food Bank Council that I think is well-deserved, as you just explained and as Jerry talked about, that you take care of your people and you're taking care of the product. And, uh, and we're really happy 
to have this opportunity to partner with you guys and the entire association. Yeah, we definitely feel the same way. Um, I couldn't have said it better. You know, for us to be able to, as a meat producer, um, help out our local community and our state um, through this uh, appropriation um, is, is, again, very exciting to us. And I think just provides that conduit for us to continue to um, you know, send that meat uh, to the food banks. As great as we think we are here at Michigan Turkey, uh, we're not perfect, and we do uh, sometimes have overruns, and uh, th those opportunities will always be there. And then in addition to the purchase uh, opportunity, um, I think it'll be a good deal for everybody moving forward. He's Kyle Moss. He's the Vice President for Sales and Marketing at the Michigan Turkey Association. He's our new partner. Kyle, thanks for being with us. We're going to check back in with you as a uh, as this partnership develops, but thanks for being our guest today. Sounds great. Thanks guys for having me. Jerry and I will be back to wrap up this edition of Food First Michigan in just a moment. Thanks for listening, everyone. We really appreciate you being with Jerry and I. It's been uh, quite the journey. I think when we started uh, three and a half years ago, Jerry, I, I never really imagined that we would be talking to the Michigan Turkey Association. But, you know, I'm really glad we did because I think they're going to add a lot of value to our work. Well, and, and as we said earlier, that's what makes our world go round. You know, we need to keep bringing people to the table to take hunger off the table. And so it's worth saying again, uh, great to have new partners. And I know the more they get to know us and the more they get to know the people we serve, the more excited they'll be about the difference they can make. And that's how this problem is going to be solved. It's one of our principles of why we think we can have a food secure community, and that is there's enough people that want it to happen. And, and a, another sure. way to say that is nobody wants to see kids go hungry, right? Nobody wants to see people who are employed but don't have enough money to make ends meet go hungry as a result of their employment. I mean, you know, this community wants to see this issue solved, and we see it over and over again. And now we've added the Michigan Turkey Association to the, to the people we're directly working with to solve this problem. Very exciting, very important, and certainly part of our plan. I think so. I mean, and, and I think with this particular appropriation, um, you know, we were able to do this in a, in a little bit unique way in that normally it's the Food Bank Council and we're talking with our friends in the legislature as well as in the administration about the needs and desires that are in the community and in our food banks to meet those, those needs and desires. Um, but this way we were able to kind of bring a, several of us together. And so Michigan Turkey Association is one, the Michigan Pork Association is another. Um, obviously, our great friends in the, uh, in the Michigan uh, Milk uh, Producers Association, uh, UDIM, United Dairy Industry of Michigan, uh, Dairy Farmers of America, lots of different folks in that world that um, have been hurting, quite honestly, financially, and this was a way that the Food Bank Council and our members could come alongside of them uh, 
And then several years ago, we had a project um, through the Michigan Department of Agriculture, Rural Development, where the legislature gave us a, an appropriation in order to discover, could we rescue processed and quick frozen foods? And we discovered we could. Um, we, we wish that was a little larger scale, but man, that food is great. It's great food, particularly in the winter months. And I think those three places, protein and dairy, and then also with uh, the processors and uh, quick frozen, that's where this appropriation is going to get spent. And you know what was cool, Jerry, is that everybody lent their voice to the legislature and to the administration to say, we can do this and we can do this together. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And, uh, and you know, uh, another thing that occurred to me as I was listening to Kyle talk is the the varied ways that the economy is changing. I mean, on the one hand, he talked about the innovation he's seeing and how interesting and exciting it is to see innovation. But one of the things we know in food banking is that innovation and efficiency bump heads. They're not good friends, right? The more innovative right. you are, the less efficient you are. And so we're excited about the innovation. But until that turns into efficient systems, we're going to see people in need. And we know the economy is going to come back, and we have confidence that that's going to happen. But it's going to take some time. And so the ongoing and continued support of the state of Michigan for the work of food banks as they recognize that it's going to take time for all this to shake out. And in the meantime, people need to be food secure. We need to take hunger off the table so people can move on to the next success in their life, whatever that's going to look like. And hopefully, innovation will mean opportunity. And we sure. heard it from Kyle. Innovation is meaning opportunity for him and his business. And we hope to hear that a thousand more times from, from people all across these sectors that have been so impacted. So it was exciting to listen to him. But at the same time, a reminder to me of, you know, we're going to be needed for quite some time. Well, I think so. And, you know, the series of shows that we just finished um, about the Michigan economy, unemployment, and how that affects food insecurity really, really talked about the long tail of the COVID-19 pandemic. And as we've said before, we see it reaching out until mid-2022. Um, uh, where we're still going to have elevated need, and in between, then we're going to we're going to we're going to try to knock that off with the help of the economy and the the work, the sustaining work of the food banks across the state. We're going to be able to um, really kind of come and help people meet them right at their point of need. So, Jerry, we're almost to the end of this show, and we've been talking a lot about um, the public trust. And I know this is a value for food banks. It's a non-negotiable. Um, I know there have been times where people have come to me and said, hey, I've got this food. Could you get one of your food banks to work with me? And I'm not a food banker, so I turn that over to you or to someone on your team or someone else in another food bank. And one of the first questions you guys always ask is, what's the origin of the food and how was it handled? And if it wasn't right. handled right, you won't take it. Right. I mean, now it's that, and sometimes that's painful, but it's it. Not everybody's happy safe. about that. <laughs> no, it has to be safe though, and there has to be a a paper trail that shows that the food was the temperatures were right and the processing was right, 
and everything happened according to the rules, if you will, of food safety, because the last thing any of us want is for someone to get sick. So we're very conscientious, and uh, we make sure that all of the food that gets distributed is as safe as it can possibly be. Well, I think it's time for a little food for thought. Thomas Jefferson said, when a person assumes a public trust, they should consider himself a public property. In the days of debate about how we vote, whether in person or absentee, alleged intervention from foreign powers or redistricting, we are asking ourselves questions not just about our election system, but really the questions are about public trust. All the questions and concerns about policing in America are at their foundation questions about the public trust. When people who are oftentimes vulnerable come to our network of food banks and their partner agencies, they are acting on a measure of public trust. They are saying, we trust this food is safe. Many don't ever think about it. They just assume that it's safe. The way the rest of the community does when they go to the grocery store or out to a restaurant. There is no greater compliment than for someone to trust you unless it is the fact that a person never even considers it a possibility that you're not trustworthy. Here at the Food Bank Council and our members, we hold the public trust with careful hands. It just looks like a box of food. Until next week, please remember, it's food first, folks. Food first. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.